0: There is a common phrase we often use when we can't explain why a person does something strange or out of the ordinary. I don't know what possessed them to do that. Have you used it? Do you know its origins? Demonic possession is the belief that a spirit, demon, or entity controls a person's actions. And the unique story of Elizabeth Knapp in the 1600s may be one of, if not the first, documented cases of someone who had to face the devil inside them. This is Supernatural Matters, a psychic story original, and I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. This week, a new episode of Supernatural Matters will air every day leading up to Halloween, where I'll be sharing an unexplained mystery, leaving you to ultimately decide, natural or supernatural? You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free on your favorite podcast player or at SupernaturalMatters.com. And if you like what you're hearing, reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at A Psychic's Story. Elizabeth Knapp was born on February twenty first, 1655, to her father, James Knapp, and her mother, Elizabeth Warren Knapp. When she was just three years old, Elizabeth's mother suffered a mental breakdown due to the tragic loss of her infant son. She was said to have never gotten over it and was at one point even jailed for wailing and displaying troublesome behavior, or as people would say, weep to such an extent that she couldn't speak. Unfortunately, in the 1600s, jail was the default for people to go if they were displaying symptoms of mental illness. There weren't hospitals or doctors that specialized in psychiatric care. Some attribute the experiences with her mother at the young age of three to what later would come for Elizabeth. When she was seven, Elizabeth's family moved to Groton, Massachusetts, a religious area comprised primarily of Puritans. At 16, Elizabeth became a servant at the household of Reverend Samuel Willard, a prominent member of the Puritan Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was around this time that Elizabeth began to display odd symptoms and signs. After some time, Samuel would begin to document these episodes in great detail in his journal. Initially, Elizabeth would complain of pain all over her body and the feeling of being strangled by unforeseen force. She would also go into these emotional fits where she would cry or laugh hysterically for no apparent reason, screaming out loud for hours on end. And according to Samuel himself, he noted in his journal that throughout the entire case— Elizabeth would have the most violent fits when he was present. Being a preacher and thereby extremely religious, Samuel gave a lot of power to God. At first, he tried to help and cure Elizabeth by sending her to church elders. Things started to escalate the more people prayed over her. She started to hallucinate, claiming that she could see people walking all around her as well as a man floating around and above her bed. As activity continued to increase, Elizabeth began to have more and more frequent fits, with Samuel eventually calling in a doctor, and then another doctor, and another. Each time, after being unable to diagnose what was happening to her or find a cure, the doctors would conclude that Elizabeth must be possessed. On one Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, known as the Day of Rest and Religious Observance, Elizabeth started to become violent, leaping and contorting her body to the point where it took four people to hold her down, yelling out, money, 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 sin and misery, misery. In his journal, Samuel wrote, quote, she was violent in bodily motions, roaring and screaming in such a way that it can only be representing the dark's hellish torment. Now, Elizabeth tried to blame her condition and torments on an older woman in town. It was also the time of the Massachusetts witch hunts, after all. But Samuel didn't believe that the older woman was a witch and disregarded Elizabeth's claims entirely. Because he felt so strongly about this, he would pressure Elizabeth to tell him the truth as to what was really happening to her and why. Over dinner one night, Elizabeth changed her story. This time, she said that the devil himself had come off and on to her over the course of three years and offered to make her a witch. He had offered her money, silks, fine clothes, ease from labor, and the opportunity to see the world. She said that she was susceptible because she was discontent with her life and that the devil had come more frequently when she became a servant in the Willard household. As the weeks went by, Elizabeth began to be more and more confused and her fits more and more uncontrollable. She became increasingly violent and spoke in a strange voice. Elizabeth also would go into these trance-like states of unconsciousness and she would go back and forth saying that she had accepted the devil's pact and becoming a witch to she hadn't. The Willards didn't know what to believe. In October of 1671, this possession was at the height of things, and Samuel happened to be out of town on October 30th, the night right before All Hallows' Eve. Elizabeth was sitting near the fire and about to go to bed when she went into complete hysteria. She grabbed her legs and then her breasts and started to scream out that she was being strangled. It was one of the most violent and disturbing fits she had had yet. No one knew what to do or how to calm her down. The next day, her behavior became even stranger. She started growling like an animal and talking to unseen entities, hailing them and saying things like, what cheer, old man? She wasn't present. That night, multiple family members had to hold her down when she tried to throw herself into the fire. This violent outburst continued with as many as five people trying to contain her. She just seemed so much stronger than all of them put together. This was a 16-year-old tiny girl that required five people and all of their strength to hold her down. Now, throughout these moments, there were times that Elizabeth was unable to speak at all, even if she was clearly trying to. It was at this point that Samuel had returned home. He noted in his journal that for many hours her tongue was drawn up in a semicircle up to the roof of her mouth and could not be dislodged. Despite her best efforts Elizabeth seemed to be taken over completely. The devil continued to speak through Elizabeth for a while but Elizabeth herself remained mute. Samuel concluded in his journal that Elizabeth's experiences were both real and diabolical he truly believed that she had been possessed by the devil himself. To support this, he pointed to the fact that Elizabeth's strength in the moments of her fits was superhuman. In his attempt to prove that the devil wasn't Elizabeth, he also claimed that when the voice spoke from within her, it was this dark, demonic voice that she couldn't make naturally or fake, and that her mouth and vocal cords did not move when the demonic voice was speaking. Instead, her throat would swell up almost like a fist was inside it. The fits and operations of the devil and other spirits continued until the night of November 28th, and when she had a fit lasting for 48 hours. After this, she was in a catatonic state until the night of December 8th. That evening, she made a confession that after being assaulted by the devil various times, she had indeed given in and made the pact with him and let him into her bed. Throughout December, Samuel's journal told how Elizabeth would go in and out of violent fits, each one worse than the last. She would continue to talk in the strange, deep, demonic voice. Samuel ended his documentation of the possession case on January 15th, leaving it to the more, quote, learned, aged, and judicious, end quote. After he stopped documenting the possession of Elizabeth, it has remained a mystery as to whether the possessions continued or if she went through with her pact with the devil and ultimately became a witch. Many believe that the devil was unable to possess her entirely, eventually backing off due to the constant prayers being said for and over Elizabeth, but there is no official documentation that she received an exorcism. On September 11, 1674, records show that Elizabeth married a Samuel scripture and they went on to have 10 children. Both Elizabeth and her husband are believed to have died between 1720 and 1728. Did she live a long life as a Puritan? Common signs of a demonic possession include missing memories, superhuman strength, contortions, and natural body movements, thinking oneself possessed making sounds like an animal, being troubled by spirits, and more. These were all reported in the case of Elizabeth Knapp. But modern medicine has casted its own light on this particular case, because many believe that Elizabeth was suffering from the early onset of adult Huntington's disease. The disease causes selective deterioration of certain movement structures deep inside the brain. Like demonic possession, one symptom is memory loss, but other symptoms include mood swings, aggressive behavior, involuntary jerking, and difficulty with speech, to name a few. Sound familiar? As it worsens over time, it can also lead to depression or schizophrenia. Others think that the case can be explained by the strict religious atmosphere at the time. Most possession cases seem to happen in places where religion is the predominant aspect of the society, Is it possible that Elizabeth felt confined in her community and was frustrated with her situation? This theory says that Elizabeth could have been rebelling against the institution that was restricting her. Another theory explains that she felt dissatisfied about her placement in society. She even said as much according to Samuel's journal notes. Looking back when her symptoms began, she didn't have to continue work as a servant. In Puritan New England, servants were treated harshly sometimes, especially women. She could have used possession as an excuse to speak out against all who held authority over her, the main person being Samuel Willard. Maybe that's why he noted that the fits appeared to be worse when he was around. There is also the belief that Elizabeth's so-called possession was a need for attention and recognition. It was common for Puritan parents to show little intimacy or love with their children. This practice of remote distance parenting has been known to produce negative psychological effects on children. Was Elizabeth's mother having been emotionally and mentally absent from her at such an early age create a void in which Elizabeth felt she had to act out for attention? Because Elizabeth Knapp's case was told from the sole viewpoint of Samuel Willard, the debate continues. It's easy to see how those in 17th century New England brought up in the Puritan religion and seeing her erratic behavior would deduce that Elizabeth Knapp had become possessed by the devil. On the flip side, modern medicine presents interesting alternatives. Now, the next time you go to say, I don't know what possessed them to do that, you'll recall its origin, and that the story of Elizabeth Knapp was one of the first to kick off a series of demonic possession claims, one case being as recent as 2016. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supernatural Matters. So what do you think? Does Elizabeth Knapp's case provide genuine evidence of demonic possession? Was it a disease of the brain? Or was it heavily influenced by a society dominated by strong religious beliefs? Check out the photos and other evidence at SupernaturalMatters.com and head over to A Psychic Story on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to give us your thoughts. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free online or on your favorite podcast player i okay.